Thank you for listening to this sermon from Hope Church, Toronto West. It is our prayer that through these audio sermons, you are challenged and transformed by the Word of God, built up in love and faith, and drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you that these online resources are never meant to be a substitute for God's good plan for you to be present, connected, and serving in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you live in the West Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we encourage you to come check out one of our Sunday services. Now, as you prepare your heart to receive God's word, we pray that his spirit would use the sermon powerfully in your life. Amen. On the screen for you, it was J.I. Packer who wrote this. He wrote, the Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. He says, the more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. It is here in the thing that happened at the first Christmas that the most profound, unfathomable depths of the Christian revelation lie. God became man. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as this truth of the incarnation. And J.I. Packer is right. The meaning of Christmas, the meaning of the incarnation, a deity veiled in humanity, the miraculous reality of the virgin birth, the mind-blowing doctrine of the hypostatic union, Christ's two natures joined into one. This is the most profound and unfathomable and glorious reality of all our celebrations. And I hope and pray that as we go to God's word, we feel it afresh. Because gifts and trees and lights and, and eggnog, who likes eggnog, by the way? Wow, wow, I'm not with you on that, I'm sorry. <laughs> but all of that is fine. But nothing compares to the truth and the implications of the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ who came into the world. Amen? So for the next few moments, we're going to go to the word of God to help us to worship him, the one who is worthy, by hearing from his word. And we're going to trust that he'll bring us much closer to the awe and wonder that he deserves from our lives this Christmas. I want you to take your Bible and go to John chapter 1. John chapter one, if you don't have a Bible, you can put up your hand and one of the ushers at the back would love to come to you and put a copy of God's word into your hand. If you don't own a Bible, that Bible will be our special gift for you today. We'd love you to take it home and read it and have your life changed by the word of God. John chapter one, profound verses of scripture here. We're gonna get to as much as we can and pull some specific truths here to help us to worship this Christmas. John chapter one, verses one to five. I pray everyone has their eyes on a copy of God's word. This is what it says. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse three says, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made 
that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5 says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Well, here, John gives us a picture of the God who enters in to creation. Our God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm gonna show you a few things about this God that enters in that I pray again will help us and aid us in our worship of him so that by the end of our time here today, as we sing our last song, our hearts are stirred, our affections are stirred, our eyes are lifted, uh, the things of this world matter not, and we can worship Jesus Christ together. So this is where we're gonna get started. The God who enters in, first thing I want you to see is this, he comes down to his creation. He comes down to his creation. I want you to look at verse one. John says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. All right, let me just start by saying that John's clear goal here in John chapter one is to bring crystal clarity to the question about who Jesus Christ is. The one that we worship, the one that we celebrate on Christmas. And right away, I want you to see that John doesn't dance around the issue. At the outset of John chapter one, he communicates in no uncertain terms that Jesus Christ is, in fact, God. And he's the God who comes down to step into, to enter into his creation. I want you to notice it again in verse one. It says, in the beginning was the word. The word, the, the word is a reference to Jesus Christ as the personification and the perfect representation of God. There's so much more I can say about this, but important for us to understand John's angle here as he introduces us to the Lord Jesus Christ. While Mark's gospel begins with the ministry of John the Baptist, and Luke's gospel goes back to the birth of John the Baptist. Matthew's gospel goes back even further to trace the lineage of Jesus Christ all the way back to Abraham. The gospel of John uniquely introduces us to Jesus by taking us all the way back to creation. He takes us back to the very beginning of creation by equating Jesus Christ with the creator God of Genesis. Now you should have Genesis fresh in your minds today because we've been in a series in the book of Genesis as a church. We've been going verse by verse and line by line through the book of Genesis. And so on the screen for you, I want you to notice some parallels. Just from the first verses of Genesis 1 and John 1 because John intends to make a clear parallel. And Genesis 1.1, you'll remember, says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So as John introduces us 
to Jesus Christ. He has a different angle than the other gospel writers. And he's making a connection all the way back to creation, to the beginning. I want you to see a bit more of this connection. Genesis 1 speaks of the eternality of God, that before anything existed, he was there. In the beginning, God. We've seen that in our study of Genesis. And in John 1, John speaks of the eternality of Jesus Christ. That before anything else existed, he was there. Jesus Christ was there. In the beginning, John says, was the word. Now, Genesis 1 shows us God as the supreme creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And John 1 shows us Jesus Christ as the supreme creator. He was in the beginning with God And in verse three of John one, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. You're seeing the parallels. And Genesis one portrays the eternal creator God as speaking all things into existence by the power of his word. Over and over again, we've seen in Genesis one, We've read, and God said, and God called, and let us make. And notice the parallel in John chapter one. John portrays the eternal creator, Jesus Christ, as the very word. The very word incarnate himself. You can see right now John's angle. What John wants us to see about Christmas. He's making some connections. Among many things, John has as his intentional aim to place the story of Jesus Christ within the grand story of creation. And that means that this Christmas, John wants us to think not only about the baby in the manger, we think about that a lot this time of year, but he wants us to think of the God of creation. That John wants us to think not only about the newborn king, we're singing about it, we're thinking about it, of course, but he wants us to think of the eternal creator king, the one who enters in to his creation. That's why John's gospel begins almost exactly as the book of Genesis begins, because John is intentionally equating the God-man, Jesus Christ, with the God of creation that we find in the book of Genesis. He wants us to see the glory of this truth, that Jesus Christ, the eternal God, is the God who entered into his creation. He entered in as the creator of all things, and he enters in as the one who will, in fact, recreate all things. You see these intentional parallels. He was with God at the beginning. He is God himself at the beginning, creating all things. And sin enters the world in Genesis 3. Sin mars creation. What does John want us to see about the entrance of Jesus Christ at Christmas? That Jesus comes to recreate. Jesus comes to redeem. Jesus comes to restore. Jesus enters in to his creation with great power so that all that was lost and marred by sin, Jesus Christ will make right on the cross. He's come to recreate, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. He is the creator God. 
And he is the recreator God, the one who recreates and gives new life. On the screen, an old Puritan prayer expresses the heart of the one who understands and appreciates the miracle that this really is. Notice the old Puritan prayer. The Puritan prays this, herein is wonder of wonders. I hope you're seeing the wonder. And he came below to raise me above, was born like me that I might become like him. Herein is love. When I cannot rise to him, he draws near on wings of grace to raise me to himself. Herein is power. When deity and humanity were infinitely apart, he united them in indissoluble unity, the uncreated and the created. Herein is wisdom. When I was undone with no will to return to him and no intellect to devise recovery, he came, God incarnate, to save me to the uttermost, my eyes uplifted to a reconciled Father. A Christmas, loved ones, is about the God, the God who entered into his creation, the eternal and transcendent creator who condescends to us. He leaves pre-incarnate glory. He existed within the Godhead for eternity past. He leaves pre-incarnate glory. He steps in. He is the incarnate son of God. And he steps into his own creation, condescending to redeem a lost humanity. And I wonder if there's anyone in this room that needs to be reminded in the midst of the busyness and the hustling of the season of the great redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. That in the midst of a world that is hopelessly wandering and decaying in darkness, in the beginning was the word And he became flesh and dwelt among us. In him, there is recovery. And I'm wondering if you're here today and you need redemption. You need restoration. Christmas positions humanity for a recreation, a new life, and a new hope that I've been praying if there's even one person in this room today that needs to experience this new life, that it would be granted to us today by his power and by his grace. The God who enters in, he comes down to his creation. Now, secondly, this, the God who enters in, I want you to notice, is the one who gives life to what is dead. He's the one who gives life to what is dead. In 1739, John Wesley captured the truth of John 1 in his song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. He wrote this in one of the verses. Hail the heavenly prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Notice, light and life to all he brings. Light 
and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Light and life, John continues to make parallels, intentionally drawing on the themes of the creation account, one of the main themes and motifs being life. You'll remember it as we've gone through Genesis chapter one together. It's in the mind of the reader of John's gospel as they read these words, the mind is taken back to Genesis 1. It doesn't take very long to begin making marvelous connections that move us to worship. And I'm praying for that for you and for me today. And in Genesis chapter one, we're seeing God forming and filling and making and breathing and speaking and calling all things out of formlessness and emptiness and lifelessness. He's speaking life. This, John says in John, 1 John 1, is the one who stands among you. This is Jesus Christ. This is the one that we're talking about the one who speaks life, the one who is the life. This, John says, is the one who was there from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our own hands. In 1 John 1, verse two, John goes on and says, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. You see, light and life is this creator God, the word, Jesus Christ, who steps into his creation. And John wants us to go beyond the announcement to the shepherds and beyond the heavenly host and beyond the star and beyond the magi and beyond King Herod's murderous plot all the way to the very point and the purpose and the meaning of Christmas. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Life. In him was life. In him is life. He brings to life what is dead, loved ones, the creation is fallen, you know it, you feel it. The world is fallen, the world is broken. I know you feel it. I know you go through things in your life every single day. I know you scroll through your social media feeds every single day and you feel it. The world is broken, the world is groaning. Human beings suffer and die. And Jesus Christ, the promised offspring of the woman as we saw in Genesis 3, 15, he was born to fix the problem of death. Death, the thing that is the only inevitable reality for every single person. Death, your only guarantee when you're born is that one day you're gonna die. Jesus Christ, the word, became flesh, dwelt among us. And John says, in him, this creator was life. And that life was the light 
of man. Here's the truth, loved ones. Later in John 1, 11, John says, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Uh, many in the world today are not receiving him. They're rejecting him. But notice the truth, it's on the screen. But to all who did receive him, believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if there's even one person in this room today that you feel lifeless. Maybe a dream has been shattered or an important relationship has been lost or a multi-year struggle of some kind is more unrelenting than ever before. I, I wanna encourage you this Christmas, go beyond the manger. Yes, yes, worship at the manger, but be, go beyond the manger and see what this creator God came into the world to do, to give life. That yes, one day we will die physically, but we don't have to die spiritually because Jesus comes to recreate. Jesus comes to infuse new life. Jesus comes to restore all that was lost in the fall. Jesus comes to show you that all that's happening in the world, I'm gonna redeem it. I'm gonna bring it all to a right place one day, but I'm gonna do it. In me, in him is life. Have you received the life that is found in Jesus Christ? Or maybe a question for you if you're a Christian. Are you living in such a way that reflects that you worship and follow a God who has given you life, hope beyond this earth and beyond the grave? Jesus, loved ones, is filled with compassion towards us today. And he came to give life. He came to enter into our mess to revive that which is dead. So let me just stop before I go on. I'm almost finished. Is your life a bit of a mess today? Let me just tell you, I'm the preacher here, and some of you may think that my life is never a mess, but I have a lot of messes in my life. And I'm so thankful as I prepare this message, as I think about John 1, as I think about Christmas, I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ entered into Jason's mess. He entered into your mess. He entered into the mess of the world to revive that which is dead and to speak a word of life. That can be your reality today in a new and fresh way as your affections are stirred to worship him. This is the God who enters in. He comes down to his creation. He gives life to what is dead. And last thing is this, the God who enters in, I want you to see, um, brings light to the darkness. He brings light to the darkness. Look at verses four to five. It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and I'm so thankful for this part. And the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness that fills the world, it cannot overcome the light of Jesus Christ. So again, I want you to notice really quick the parallel. What do you think of most when you think of the creation account of Genesis? I bet I know. You probably think of these words, and God said, let there be, tell me. Yeah, that's what you think of. That's what I think of. 
And you think of these words because this was the first thing that God spoke into existence. In fact, this theme of light becomes central in John's gospel. In John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He's come to shine a bright light in the darkness. The darkness is causing people to stumble and trip and fall and hurt themselves and fall into utter hopelessness and lostness. This light, which is the gospel and the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ is embodied fully in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the remedy for the spiritual darkness that has entered the world through sin. He's the antidote for the spiritual blindness that plagues and deceives the human heart. And it's the solution for the spiritual oppression and darkness of evil. It's the provision for humanity's hopeless state. Now I talk with a lot of you and I know my heart enough to know when you look at the world, it's easy to hang your head, isn't it? And I know when I talk to some of you and I look at my own heart, it's easy to look at the mess of my life, the dark moments that enter my life, the darkness of the world, and to think, man, it just, it just seems so dark. It seems like evil is winning. It seems like darkness is winning. But here's a moment to receive hope. Here's a moment to be infused with hope. The Bible says that through Jesus Christ, the light of the world, the darkness cannot overwhelm the light. It's like a pitch black room. You light one candle in a pitch black room and you see it from everywhere because darkness cannot overwhelm light. So here's our hope. No matter how dark the world gets around us today, no matter how dark your situation feels today, whatever you're facing, the hardship you're facing, God knows it. God sees it, and he stands as the solution to shine a light that cannot be overwhelmed by darkness. It cannot. The question is, will you open your heart and open your life and lift your eyes to the darkness? Because here's the thing I want to leave you with, and then we're going to sing. All of us, all of us need the light. Every single one in this room needs the light. In fact, every single one that we went to reach in the buildings, <clears throat> excuse me, to reach the city, every one of them needs the light. In Cavell, in Royal York, and 12th Street, they all need the light, but not just them. The buildings around them, not just them. All the houses in this area, not just them. Every single person on the planet needs the light. And aren't you glad that the light entered in? He came to bring light to the darkness. We all need the light. So three things I want to leave you with. First is this. Uh, we all need the light. Number one is this. Uh, it's found only in Jesus Christ. It's found only in Jesus Christ. Now, I need to say that because, again, I know my heart, and I talk with many of you. We try to find light in so many other places, don't we? I mean, we may have our theology intact. We may know certain things intellectually, but where the rubber meets the road, we try to find light in all kinds of other places. But let me just tell you, the Bible says, in him, in him was life. In him, not politics, in him was life. Amen? In him, not economics. In him, not low interest rates. In him was life. 
in him, not you fill in the blank. What is the thing you're searching for this Christmas? What's the thing you're hoping finds itself under the tree? What's the thing you're hoping will come and shine a light into your heart? I'm telling you, nothing is sufficient to shine the light, only Jesus Christ. And we all need the light, and the light comes to us on Christmas through Jesus Christ. Amen, you can clap to that. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Do you have the light? Do you have this life? I pray you do. We all need the light. It's found only in Jesus Christ. Secondly, we all need the light. It's available to all who would receive him. I want you to see that in verse four. And the life was the light of men. Again, verse 11 tells us he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, to all who did receive him, to all who did receive him, believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The light is available. He entered in. He condescended towards us. We all need the light. It's found only in him. But it comes to only those who will receive him. Have you received him? And if you have received him, are you living like you've received him so that you can look ahead to a new year? See, we're about to turn the page. I love this time of year so much. I love this time of year. It gives me an opportunity to write in my journal more than ever. It gives me an opportunity to look back at all the hard things and all the good things and to reflect on all that God has done and all that God has allowed us to go through. And then it gives us a chance to turn the page and say, Lord, what will you do next year? But I want to live this year consistent with what I believe, what I know to be true in my head. You are my light. You are my guide. It doesn't matter when good comes or bad comes. You are my light. And your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I receive your light again today to be my guide in this next coming year. Maybe there are people in this room today that will receive the light for the first time this year. This will be an amazing Christmas for you, but perhaps there are many more people here today that have received the light, but you're not living like you have the light because you've just been overwhelmed by so much. But the light is available to all who would receive him. And then the last thing is this. We all need the light. It's found only in Jesus Christ, available to all who would receive him. Finally, this, this light, it's stronger than even the darkest darkness. This is awesome. Stronger than even the darkest darkness. Worship team, you can come. Alita, you can jump on the keys right now. We're getting ready to close, but I want you to consider this. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There's someone in the room today and you are experiencing some kind of darkness in your life and it feels all-consuming and overwhelming. But you have to remember that the light of Jesus Christ cannot be overwhelmed by darkness. That when you see that darkness on your social media feed, when you see that darkness coming around the world through wars and horrible things happening, when you see that darkness, when you see it all around you, this is the moment. This is the moment at Christmas where we lift our eyes up and we say, God, we believe with faith what your word says. Your light is never taken out. 
No, you shine brighter than even the darkest darkness. And the darkest darkness cannot overwhelm your light. That means that you have made us the light of the world as the church of Jesus Christ that we can stand here confidently, that when we speak and when we live and when we live at our faith, because we have the life and the light of Christ, we are shining bright and we know by faith that even though it looks like darkness is advancing around us, where the church of Jesus Christ, where the representatives of Jesus Christ is, there is a bright light shining. People may hate you. They may despise you at your family gatherings this year. They may want nothing to do with your Jesus, but you just keep shining because you cannot be overwhelmed. Amen, you can clap. And loved ones, as we celebrate on Christmas morning, worship the one who condescended to us, a bright and shining light that cannot be overwhelmed by darkness. He is victorious over the darkness. And loved ones, I'll leave you with this. Don't let these next few days pass you by. Please, please, I'm calling you, loved ones. Don't let these next few days pass you by. Reflect meaningfully over what has happened this next year. But as we turn the page, would you join me and the elders of this church? Would you join hands with us, spiritually speaking, as we look ahead with faith? And I'm believing 2024 will be the year of tremendous light shining in this dark city for the glory of Jesus Christ. Whatever you're facing today, even the darkest darkness has not overwhelmed the light that lives in you. So God, we pray. We pray in the name of Jesus. You can stand to your feet. God, we pray that you would be adored in our lives. You would be worshiped in our hearts. And I pray now that as we adore you, even in this song, it will carry us. This song will carry us into our celebrations. This song will carry us as we approach 2024. This song will carry us with great faith that the one we worship and adore is worthy. We love you, Lord. We exalt you. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Come on, let's lift up our voices and sing. For more resources and information about Hope Church Toronto West, please visit hopechurchtw.ca.